Go ahead and be seated. Greg, I love that you're representing Team World Vision Orange today, right? Uh, Global 6K, as we mentioned, it was yesterday. Why 6K? Why 6 kilometers? Well, they tell us that's the average distance that a person in Africa has to walk to get clean water. And so we in America are taking our turn to walk that same distance as a sign of our solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Africa and to try and begin to make a difference in bringing clean water to those places in deep need throughout the continent of Africa and also around the world. Uh, we've talked a lot in recent years about how bringing clean water is a first step foundational need for being able to bring uh, a healthier physical health as well as community development. And today we're going to be hearing more about some of the ways that community development is happening through uh, Global 6K, through our Team World Vision race team, through our child sponsorships, uh, and some other ways that we in our covenant denomination are partnering together to make a difference in the Democratic Republic of Congo. But before we move on in sharing our own details, I, I just want to bring a video greeting from Lindsay Watson, who is our National Director of Covenant Kids Congo, and she just has an update to share with us and a word of gratitude. So let's watch this video from Lindsay. Hi, church. My name is Lindsay Watson, and I'm the Ministry Specialist for Covenant Kids Congo. Covenant Kids Congo, or CKC, is an initiative of Covenant World Relief and Development, which is a ministry of Serve Globally, the global mission priority within our denomination. Covenant Kids Congo is a partnership with World Vision and the Covenant Church in Congo, as well as our denomination. We are committed to supporting transformational development that is community-based as well as sustainable. Some of our areas of intervention are water and sanitation and hygiene, education, economic empowerment, immunizations, maternal health, food security, child advocacy and child protection, as well as malnutrition and so much more. We recently received our annual report from our team in DR Congo, and I was reminded again of how thankful I am for our partnership with churches and sponsors. Together with World Vision and the Covenant Church in Congo, transformation is truly taking place. In the report we received, the DRC team reported that our partnership helped over 4,100 children and adults gain access to clean water. Water is often a foundation or starting place for community development work because without it, everything else is that much harder. We're also seeing big strides in the area of mother and child health. We believe that healthy mothers and children should be the norm and not the exception. Last year, more than 15,000 mothers of children ages newborn to 23 months increased their knowledge and skills on food preparation and balanced meals to prevent and treat malnutrition. During the program evaluation, results also showed that nearly 80% of pregnant mothers surveyed achieved well-balanced and adequate diets, which was an increase from 68% in the previous year. These aren't just statistics. These numbers represent real boys and girls, moms and dads, entire families and entire neighborhoods who've had their lives transformed, transformed by engagement from churches like yours. When you engage with CKC through direct donation, sponsorship, or moving your feet through endurance events or the Global 6K, this is what you're participating in. This year, we celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the partnership, and we have seen amazing progress but there is still great need. We are so thankful for churches like yours that are on this journey with God, with us, and with our sisters and brothers in Congo. Thank you for partnering together in this life-changing work. 
We look forward to moving forward together. So there is awesome progress being made, and we are wanting to celebrate that today and in the days ahead. Uh, World Vision has told us that if we can raise $50, it will provide clean water for one child for life. That's a pretty amazing statistic, isn't it? Yesterday, our Global 6K team had 35 participants, and combined, they raised $2,050. Imagine how many children's lives that's going to impact for life. Combined, our Covenant Church teams across the country raised over $200,000 yesterday for the Global 6K. At the same time, every year we also field a Team World Vision Marathon race team, and this year, so far, we have 15 participants that are beginning their training now to run the rock and roll marathon or walk, uh, either the half marathon or the full marathon in September. Uh, Their goal is to raise $35,000 for clean water in Africa, and if you might uh, be inspired today by participating in some way, it's not too late to join that team, and there's plenty of time to get your training in uh, to participate. So if If you're interested in being on uh, Team World Vision this year, just let us know. We'll be happy to give you more information. The other thing that often goes unnoticed among our congregation is that we have uh, traditionally each year had about 40 child sponsorships. That's people quietly uh, sponsoring a child by providing $39 each month, uh, year in and year out. And so we continue to have those child sponsorships, not only through the Covenant Church and Team World Vision, but also with other organizations who are sponsoring kids around the world. So we also want to acknowledge those folks among us here today. I just want to just take a minute, and for those who are able to be with us, and for those of you at home, if you are on one of these teams, I just want to invite anybody who participated in the Global 6K yesterday, go ahead and stand. Let's hold our applause, but go ahead and stand up. We'd just like to acknowledge your presence with us and stay standing. Anybody who is on our Team World Vision who is beginning to train for the marathon or half marathon in the fall, would you go ahead and stand as well? We'd love to just acknowledge your presence with us. Awesome. And then finally, if you uh, have in the past or are currently sponsoring a child through Covenant Kids Congo or through some other charitable organization, we just encourage you, would you please stand as well? Awesome. Let's give these people a round of applause and show our appreciation. God is doing a work through the gifts and the sacrifices of Faith Covenant Church, of other covenant churches around the world, and all of the global church folks who are responding to God's call uh, to, to respond and to meet the needs of those who are less fortunate. In just a couple minutes, we're going to get to hear more about other initiatives that we are pursuing through our covenant denomination that is helping to do more of the community development work that uh, we are hoping to see more and more of in the Democratic Republic of Congo. But before uh, I invite our guest speaker, uh, Pastor Bob Anderson, to join us and talk more about uh, Paul Carlson partnership and some of the ways that we are pursuing and have been pursuing uh, medical missions and other initiatives, I just want to invite us to pray over all of the time, talent, and treasure that you all have been investing and the future of the lives of our brothers and sisters in the Covenant Church of Congo. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that you have blessed us richly with many good gifts that you have given us the ability to also then give away to others. We thank you for those of us who are able to enjoy uh, physical health and endurance and can run or walk as a way of uh, showing solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Africa. We also thank you for those of us who might not be as physically sound but have financial resources that we can contribute to support those who are, are willing to go out and do the training and to move their feet. And God, we thank you for those opportunities for us to develop a direct relationship through child sponsorship with with specific kids in Congo who are not only in need, but are uh, in desperate desire to, to know that they are seen and they are known and they are loved. And so we thank you for the opportunity that child sponsorship is not only a blessing to them, but it becomes a blessing to us and to our families as well. God, we pray for our own kids that they would see and experience through these efforts of, of our faith community to make a difference in the lives of other people, that it's really your love. And God, it's your gifts, and it's your finances. It's all the blessings that you shower down on us from heaven that you invite us to turn and to give away in the name of Jesus, and that they would be inspired by, by that to also become people who learn to give their lives away as a sacrifice, and as a call on their lives to be followers of Jesus as well. We thank you and we ask their blessing on them as they go to their time of kids' worship this morning. And we ask that your uh, blessing would be on Pastor Bob and uh, as we look into your word this morning, that you would speak to us all through your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'd like to go ahead and dismiss our kids. Your teachers will be in the back, and you can meet them back there to go to kids' worship. Uh, and we'll see you after uh, the rest of the service is over. And as they go, I want to uh, take this time to uh, say that it's my honor and my privilege to welcome my friend and my colleague, Pastor Bob Anderson. Bob uh, has been married to Robin, his wife, for 46 years. They have two kids and five grandchildren. He's been a covenant pastor for 42 years, and while he's been officially retired for four years, uh, he's also been working part-time for the denomination uh, for those last four years uh, in the Paul Carlson Partnership, where he is the partner engagement representative, and he gets to come to churches like ours and meet with us and meet with donors who are supporting uh, the ministries of our denomination and to share the good work that God is doing through our gifts and our sacrifices, uh, not only in Congo, but also in the ways that he is blessing us as a, as a church. And so uh, I want to invite Bob to come and bring God's word to us this morning. Would you welcome yeah. Pastor Bob Anderson? Thanks. Good. Thanks. Well, good morning. It's great to see you and be here with all of you. And thank you so much, Pastor Kurt, for the opportunity uh, to be together here. Uh, we began talking about um, this opportunity a couple of years back before COVID. And, you know, now it's here. And um, thank God for that. Um, had a chance to meet a few of you uh, at the beginning of the service and felt very warmly welcome. So appreciate that. And I want to say thank you on behalf of uh, the Evangelical Covenant Church. Uh, your church has participated in, in many different ways to support uh, missions around the world and things that are happening at home that make a difference in people's lives. And you are a part of that, a necessary and valuable partners in the work that God has called us to. So thank you so much for that. Uh, 
as Pastor Kurt mentioned, my, my title is uh, Partner Engagement Representative, kind of a mouthful. When they first told me that's what they were going to call me, I was uh, confused. Um, but the way I explain it is that my job is really to raise awareness, it's to raise resources, and, and it's to say thank you because we do so much appreciate uh, the ways in which people participate in praying for and funding the mission that goes on in Congo. And one of the things that, uh, you know, it has moved me to is that our partners in Congo, the pastors, the people, they always say, please thank people back home in, uh, in the United States because we, we so appreciate them, we sense their prayers, and they make so much difference in our lives. So I want to convey that as well. Now I am here to share uh, a bit about the ministry of Paul Carlson partnership, and I'll say more about this later, but uh, Dr. Paul Carlson was a medical missionary who um, was from Southern California, a young man and his family who went to DR Congo in the early 1960s. Uh, within two years, there was uh, an uprising by Simba rebels. Uh, all of our missionaries were evacuated. In fact, Paul evacuated his family to another country, but he came back to take care of his patients in a very far, out of the way, you know, remote corner of Africa, but he was eventually captured and, and, and was killed. And so the ministry of Paul Carlson Partnership continues on all these, you know, 57 years later um, in his name uh, in honor of him. And the thing I want to say is that Paul Carlson understood that Jesus' mission was to touch the whole lives of people, not just their spiritual being, but their economic life, their, um, their psychological life, their spiritual life, yes, but every aspect of, of who they were, including especially relationship. And so we continue that work in a whole variety of ways, um, medical and uh, the medical work that goes on in, in Congo right now. Uh, this is the singular way in which the covenant does medical work, but we're also involved in economic development and infrastructure, and I will describe a little bit of that later. But the thing is, just like Congo Kids, Covenant Congo Kids, uh, all the funding for the Paul Carlson Partnership, it comes outside of the covenant coordinated budget. And, and that's why we're out there. Lindsay, um, you know, I know she's in a lot of churches and I try to get in churches and meet with donors because we do want to raise awareness. We do want to raise those resources so that we continue that ministry. And that's why we are out here. I, I would want to just say a word because sometimes we'll confuse the different ministries that are going on in Congo. Um, this has been our largest mission field over the years. The Covenant Church in Congo is much larger than the Covenant Church here in the United States, and they do an amazing work. Uh, evangelism, everything that a church is supposed to be doing. Congo Kids is separate from Paul Carlson in that um, we work in two different communities, uh, Karoa just recently, and then Gemina. And what I've always liked and appreciated about uh, World Vision and supporting children that way is when you support a child, you're not just supporting that one child, you're supporting a community. And so an incredible amount of work is being done in those two communities through Covenant Kids Congo. And Paul Carlson Partnership is spread uh, in a much wider area out into the villages. 
as well. And so we work in cooperation with each other all the time, but we are separate entities. So on with it. This is a hybrid message this morning, and that means that the sermon part and the presentation part are both going to get a little bit compressed, and uh, that's all right. But I want to be able to share some of the things that I, I think that are important, both out of Scripture and out of our own covenant history that drives us forward into this kind of ministry. So I want to read first uh, from Isaiah 61, first three verses. And this, these are profound words of hope and encouragement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then uh, from the New Testament, Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, very familiar story, perhaps one of the most important and um, well-known stories in the Bible, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? Well, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, replied Jesus. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So, we hear these two texts, and, and what we understand is that, that the one text describes a mission, and the other text describes a neighborhood. The text from Isaiah was the text that Jesus read from the scroll back in Nazareth after he had been out in the desert, and after he had been traveling around for a little while, making a little bit of a, of a name for himself. And... Um, he opened the scroll to this particular text and read it, and he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. 
Now, this was his mission statement, and it was about caring for the whole lives of people, not just part of their lives. And what's interesting is that Jesus could have simply let it go at that, but then he sat down to teach. And at the beginning, the people are all, you know, they're happy with the, the local boy who's made good. But then he begins to kind of uh, egg them on a little bit, and he talks about the prophet Elijah, and Elijah, who had ministered outside of Israel during a really depressing time in Israel. And kind of like wondering, what's, now what's this all about? Basically, he was saying, I was sent not just for you people and your self-interest. I was sent for everyone to meet all of their needs. And the result was they wanted to throw him over a cliff by the end of this sermon. And I had reflected on, you know, if I had gone home after graduating to seminary to my home church in western New York and started off like that, you know, I mean, they were already suspicious of me. Um, few of us from, from our church went into the ministry, and they're still scratching their heads. How did that happen? But uh, you don't want to uh, come and, and give that kind of a message, but Jesus did. It was that important. Well, then we come to the, uh, to the Good Samaritan, and we see a parade of law keepers and holy men who would not even so much as trouble themselves to inquire even of this broken man laying on the side of the road, let alone assist him. So Jesus adds a little bit of uh, uh, injury to insult as he tells this story by making the hero a Samaritan. The Samaritans and the Jews, they hated each other. They made sure they, did, they didn't go through each other's territory. They thought poorly of one another. And the Jews didn't think much of people who got in trouble because they figured they deserved it anyways. So here we have this tale, um, a confusing genius mix of people that we have here in this story. And it begins because the lawyer says, hey, uh, you know, I want to know how to get eternal life. Well, that's certainly a key concern that we continue to have and... Uh, and we, and we teach, and we reach out, and we preach, and we continue to hold this up in the church. How do we achieve eternal life? What's that all about? Jesus says, well, you, you know, you tell me, how do you read the law? And he said, love the Lord, the Lord your God with the entirety of your being, your heart and your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus affirms him and says, go and do this. Go and do this. But is this too easy or is this too hard? Go and do this and you will live. The lawyer could have left well enough alone, but he had to justify himself, which is really making an excuse. Well, how shall we define neighbor, he wants to know. Understand that, that he had very clear understanding through his upbringing and his training what that answer was in the Jewish culture and religion. He knew what those boundaries were, and he wanted to know, where do the limits apply? And I think he speaks for, for many of us. We want to know, where do the limits apply? Love our neighbors, ourselves? Love God with the entirety of our being? How do we do that? And so Jesus tells this parable and leaves him in the dust, and sometimes us as well. So I want to tell a little history, too. 
This goes back a long, long time ago and far, far away, 1864 in Sweden, to be exact. Uh, that is the heritage of the Covenant Church, established by Swedish immigrants about 140 years ago here. This is even longer ago than that, but there was a peasant woman named Maria, and uh, she was married to an alcoholic, abusive husband. And she didn't know what to do with this situation. It was to the point that it became unbearable. So she consulted the parish priest. She, she was not a believer at that time, but he said, why don't you gather with some of the women in our church? They will comfort you and console you, and, and, and I think you may find that they help you a bit. So she, she became involved with the women of the local parish, and eventually she became a Christian. And uh, she wanted to continue to meet with these women. Sometimes her husband actually chained her to the cast iron stove in their little stuga. And uh, life continued to be tough, but she had a different perspective on things. And when he eventually died, her, her question became, how do I live out my life as a Christian, as, as one who would share the same compassion and convictions of Jesus himself? Well, during those days in Sweden, they had what they would call the foster child system for orphans. But it was, it was not much different than uh, slavery for these children. They were actually sold to the highest bidder. These families were to take them home and take care of them, but they rarely did. They engaged hard labor and often extreme abuse. She knew this, and so she began to save her money and go to auction and buy these children. And she filled her house with children and her neighbor, Mrs. Olson, began to do the same thing until they had more children than they knew what to do it. So they built uh, an orphanage and they built a school next door and they took care of these children. And it's interesting that, that Maria, um, you know, had, had this sense of, of faith. They understood what Jesus' definition of mission and neighbor were all about, and they passed that down. Maria, uh, her, her son, became one of the founders of the Covenant Church in Sweden, and uh, here in the United States, her grandson became the first president of the Covenant Church. Mrs. Olson's uh, son became the president of, of, of a Lutheran college in, in Illinois. And, and we see that this kind of love of God and love of people ends up moving on down through the generations and it begins to make a difference. One of our first missionaries was a young Swedish immigrant named Peter Madsen. And at the age of 23, he felt the call to go to China. And he was a pioneer there. He didn't know anybody. He didn't know the language. He didn't know the culture. But he went and he began to share the love of God. What they repaid him with was brutality. They spit upon him. They beat him. But he continued at it, and he loved the people, and eventually began a health care system. He began a school. He began reaching out to all the needs of those people. Well, our missionaries were evacuated in 1949. Three of them were murdered along the side of the road, and all foreigners were sent out of China. For over 50 years, we did not have touch with the church that had been started there. One of my friends was among a group of missionaries that went back uh, a number of years ago, now about 20 years ago, and they went into that area wondering, will, they, will we see anybody? Will they have any sense of, of history? 
and uh, somebody came up to them and said, you, you people represent our parents, our mothers and fathers in the faith. We have always remembered you. We have always thanked God for you. And these kind of things, they continue on down and they make a difference in people's lives. They understood that Jesus' definition of mission and neighbor were about um, the whole lives of people. I want to talk about one more part of our, our history in the Covenant Church because Peter Matson actually changed the tra trajectory of the way Covenant Church looked at ministry. It was holistic gospel ministry. We reach out to the entirety of, of people's lives and their needs. And in the very early years of the Covenant Church, we had, you know, these, they were pretty poor um, immigrants but they decided we need to have a place where we care for people's needs. And in Chicago, they built the Covenant Home of Mercy. It had three floors on it. One was for orphans. The next floor were for the elderly and the dispossessed. And the other was a hospital. And that continued on uh, as Swedish Covenant Hospital, where people continued to be healed and taken care of and loved in all of their different needs. And whether it was... Maria Nival, or Peter Madsen, or Paul Carlson, or any of us today, people will sometimes wonder or ask us, why? well, why? Why reach out? Why bother yourselves? Why go through the trouble? Why would you do this for people you would normally have nothing to do with? Why would you do that? Well, we know that there's such a thing as common human decency, and we celebrate that whenever and wherever we see it. But for those who follow Jesus and would set their own path upon the biblical mandate to love their neighbors as themselves, there is a matter of one's faith becoming activated and motivated by love to change lives. And the impact of one's person's boldness and conviction can make a difference for generations and certainly for eternity. Now, there are elements of the church they're, they're all around us. They're different denominations, people even within our own, that would sometimes maintain that, that too much attention gets paid to these kinds of things that I've just described as part of covenant history and ethos and mission, suggesting that more attention be made particularly and, and especially towards the spiritual matters. You know, we're just passing through this life why attend to all these things? We're all going to pass away one day anyhow. And yet, I, I recall, you know, one of the earliest things that I learned as a child was the Lord's Prayer. And there is that line that goes, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus talked about the heavenly kingdom a lot. And that is a place of wholeness a place of shalom, a place of every aspect of human blessing, leaving no part out. And so we go there. And so we go there. A number of years ago, Richard Stearns, who is president of World Vision, wrote a book called The Hole in Our Gospel, and it delved deeply and profoundly into hard issues, sometimes easier to ignore. And he said this, the kingdom of God, which Jesus said is within you, was intended to change 
and challenge everything in our fallen world in the here and now. It was not meant only to be a way to leave the world, but rather the means to actually redeem it. Sometimes we might just need to save a life before we can save a soul. As a church that holds the whole word of God to be central in our common life, this is one of our covenant affirmations. It continues to be important that we be just as committed to justice and compassion and mercy as Maria Nival was so long ago, while at the same time holding fast to the need to know and follow and love Jesus. That's why we commit to loving God with everything we have and our neighbor as ourselves. That's why we commit to reach across boundaries of race and ethnicity and culture and gender and age and status to share good news. It's why we commit ourselves to causes that address the suffering of people in the world. And not only the consequences, but also the causes of suffering. And that's about justice, and that's about being the body of Christ. That's about understanding mission and neighborhood. As one of our own denominational resource papers written a number of years ago states, by their very nature, ministries of compassion and mercy and justice seek to address sin in the world. In addressing God's call to those things, we recognize our own sinfulness and the sin of the world with deep grief and humility. Our work, flawed as it is, is founded on God's work, which is the redemption, reconciliation, and restoration of people to God in Christ. And then it says this, the Christ event, meaning the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, is the decisive act of compassion, mercy, and justice in our world. So love God with everything you've got. And love people as you love yourself with all, uh, without all our typical human devised boundaries. Two basic things that we hardly need to expound upon but when it comes down to this, we might ask, but is that too easy or is it too hard? Since we can easily place ourselves before both God and other people at times, the simplicity of the statement continues to challenge us with the question, how will we do those things? How will I, how will we as a congregations go about expressing those two essential qualities of what it means to live fully in God's kingdom. And I could give you a laundry list here, but that would, be, that would be immaterial because one size does not fit all. We know that. We understand that we will not do this perfectly. We understand that we've been given different gifts and opportunities, both as individuals and congregations. And there's an almost unlimited amount of ways where we can love God and love people full, fully. And we do well to look within and to look to one another in all sincerity and to look to God for how that will play out in our own context. And that's important, our own context. Where I live is different from here. Your own neighborhoods may be different from one another, but our context can be the foundation and the place where we live those two things out. I want to talk about Paul Carlson's context. 
it's not unfamiliar to us, even though the details are a little different. Paul put in many years of hard work to become a doctor and a surgeon. He worked hard and sacrificed to achieve this goal. And the rewards of that were just beginning to show up after struggling through school and paying the bills and all that. But, but something struck him that he described as coming from God that motivated him to, to reach out to people that, that did not live in his context or, or share some of the privilege uh, that he did. And there was a call to go to Congo as a doctor for a short term. And he accepted the call. He went there. And when he came back, his family had kind of hoped he worked that out of his system. Paul's, Paul's widow um, is 93 years old, and she is this wonderful, wonderful lady. And I said, is that true? You, you kind of hoped that that had gone away. And she's, she didn't want to really answer that, but she smiled. <laughs> and she just kind of turned around and she said, um, yeah, there's an element to that. But Paul was faithful and, and I was willing to go with their two young children to Congo. And so that's what they did. And it was only a couple years, and he was, he was captured by these rebels who accused him of being a mercenary. Sounds a little bit like missionary. But they knew full well that he was a doctor because not only had been healing the Congolese, but he had been healing the rebels themselves when they came in injured uh, from being in, in uh, gun battles and so forth. And eventually uh, there was a rescue operation that was planned and during that time he lost his life. Um, earlier this year I was able to interview the last surviving cellmate of Paul Carlson who was able to describe what it was like to be in prison, who was able to describe the beatings that they endured, the psychological torture they went through. And he said, of the 11 of us men, Paul, Paul was the one that, that held us together. He was the one that we looked to because there was something different about him. At any rate, one of Paul's last letters while he was in prison said, said this very simply, pray not for my deliverance, Pray for my testimony. Pray for my testimony. Well, today there are, there are five main hospitals that we, that we run in conjunction with the Covenant Church of Congo, and there's over 120 clinics that are maintained in a population of about 2 million people. This is one of the, the first or second poorest places on earth. Every year when they do that survey, it still comes up first or second poorest place on earth. As you go through those villages, it's not much different than if we had been traveling a thousand years ago. There's, there's no electricity. The roads are, are nothing more than washed out riverbeds. And this is the national highway system. Living there is tough. And even spending a couple weeks there is tough as well. But Paul Carlson partnership works in three different areas. The medical, of course, economic development, and also infrastructure. And I want to describe them briefly for you. Um, on the infrastructure, we, we build bridges. Um, bridges, people get from one place to another. This enhances the life of whole communities. We recently completed 10 bridges that uh, connect two different cities where we have hospitals. They have not been connected for over 30 years. So now commerce is enhanced. People can get to the hospital. They can get to school. They can get goods to market. And it saves lives. 
Not long ago, a truck went in the river on one of these makeshift log bridges and four people died. A few months before that, a covenant pastor had taken his wife to the hospital and on the way home at night, he fell into the river on one of these uh, little log makeshift bridges and, and lost his life. So lives are being saved by doing this and in the midst of that, we are hiring people and teaching people how to build these bridges with the natural resources right there, and we're training them to maintain this so that these will last for generations and really make a difference for people. Uh, in the area of economic development, in, in years gone by, several generations ago, coffee was uh, a product there. Well, a lot of these people own land, and it's just subsistence farming. But we, working with an organization called Cafe Africa, four years ago, we planted uh, 1.2 million new coffee seedlings in 88 villages uh, on the properties of 2,200 families. 10,000 people are working that land now, and already they have an international export. They have their own consortium, which they run, which they own, and which means generational income. Well, I talked to one of those farmers on the field a few years ago, and I said, what does this mean for you? He says, this gives us hope. This is a blessing of God that means more than we can describe, because it's not just an income now for me. It's for my son. It's for my grandchildren. And this is just one of the most amazing things that have happened. Now we're looking at 1,000 metric tons of export. A lot of it's going to Europe. Some of it's coming here to the States, and maybe you've had a taste of Kerala coffee, but... Down the road, when we get the next batch in, it'll be available uh, to buy, serve in church, drink at home. But this, this thing in, in four years is being called a miracle by people in the coffee industry who simply shake their head and say, this has never been done before. It actually can't be done. But it has happened, and it has made a difference, and you're part of that. And finally, I do want to talk about the, uh, the, the, the medical uh, this continues to be uh, a really important thing we do because if the Paul Carlson Partnership was not working in concert with the Covenant Church here in the States and the Covenant Church in Congo, healthcare wouldn't be happening in, in all those villages. It simply wouldn't exist. Because generations ago, over 100 years ago, the government in Congo began parceling out different areas, different provinces to different religious groups from around the world. And we originally were invited in by our Swedish and Norwegian covenant cousins to help in this ministry going back over 80 years ago. And so as we um, supply medicine, as we supply training, we, we have uh, medical ambassadors. And if any of you are medical professionals and like to learn a little more about that, we'd love to talk to you about that. But instead of sending a teams over there to try to treat 1,000 people, they go over and train uh, the doctors and the nurses in things that they have asked for. We need help with you know, infants learning how to breathe. A lot of babies are born and they're not breathing. In the States, first world countries, that's not a problem. But a lot of lives have been lost there. Uh, nutrition, other aspects. And some of them coincide with what is going on with Congo kids that you heard described a little earlier. But what I want to point out is that all of these things that we do are, are highly effective. They really make a difference. We, we keep close track on what's going on medically. And in the last three years, the infant mortality rate 
in this entire region has gone down 50%. In the last three years, the maternal mortality rate has gone down 75%. Those are, are huge numbers. And so you see the work that is being done with the Covenant Church there and with Paul Carlson partnership continues to minister to not only the whole person, but to all persons, whatever their needs might be. We continue to work not as a legacy, but as a testimony. Because a legacy is kind of about myself. It's kind of about what did we accomplish, my legacy. But our testimony is about what God does and what God accomplishes through us. And so we give him praise and we give him thanksgiving. And this has always been God's work. And we continue to entrust it to him, but also to those who join with us in supporting that ministry. You know, there's different ways to participate. It's not always about money. A key thing is prayer. We've seen the power of prayer at work in some amazing ways in Africa and in Congo, of course. Inasmuch as some of you were involved yesterday in the 6K water walk, 6K being about the approximate distance that people have to walk to get not only clean water, but dirty water as well. Um, in October, we are going to do for the second time what we call biking for Congo. And it's the same kind of a thing, except it doesn't need to take place on one day. You get the entire month of October. And our goal is to bike 50 kilometers, which is 31 miles. And that works out pretty good in a month of 31 days. You could do one mile a day. You could do it together. You could do it as a family, a youth group. We have covenant retirement communities. Last year, a lot of them were engaged in doing this. You can do it on a, on a bicycle inside. But 50 kilometers, just as much as 6K is the average distance for water, 50K is the average distance to one of our main hospitals. And the quickest way to get there is on a bike. I mean, very, very few people uh, own a motorcycle, let alone a car. And so boards would be put across the handlebars to the seat in a makeshift gurney type of a thing, and people will push um, 31 miles to, to get to the hospital. And last year, the first year we did this, we raised almost $40,000. And it was cool to hear that a couple hundred thousand had been raised you know, and that's my goal, that over time, we could see that kind of income come in, particularly for the medical work in Congo. You know, we're grateful for the fact that we're able to work hand-in-hand uh, -hand with, with the church, doing the same kind of sustainable things that uh, um, they do with uh, Congo kids as well. So that's a lot of information, um, trying to compress a couple different things sermonizing and, and, and the presentation, but really appreciate your attention and, and, and your prayers and, and, and your compassion uh, for the people of Congo. Um, I want to close with, with some final thoughts uh, from Glenn Palmberg. Some of you may have met him. He was a former president of the Covenant Church. He was former, even before that, he was the uh, conference superintendent of this conference. And he was very instrumental in, in helping, uh, you know, a number of years ago, the Paul Carlson Partnership really uh, get on track to do significant work. And so he was over there for the 40th anniversary of Paul Carlson's death. That's like 15 years ago now. But they had a big celebration. Uh, his grave is over in, in Karawa there. 
And during that, the ceremonies, he simply said this. The impact of Paul Carlson's life and death on the Congolese people was incalculable. Forty years later, people are still being healed, both physically and spiritually, because of him. And he said, Paul Carlson went where God wanted him to be and did what God wanted him to do. And that is exactly what God asks of each one of us. Would you pray with me? God, we are thankful for a, a, a legacy within our own denomination of, of holistic ministry, of caring for the whole person, because we, we look and we see what Jesus did and, and how he reached out and, and what it meant to him. And we understand to you, our Father, to touch upon all the needs of our brothers and sisters whether they be uh, in this church, whether they be in our family, in our communities, our schools. God, we pray that you would not only give us opportunities, but you'd give us creativity, that you'd give us compassion and a heart to share the gospel uh, with words, with deeds, and with whatever it takes to help people know that there is a loving God who, who wants to know them and, and who they need to know. And so we thank you for a chance to share a ministry that's gone on many years that has changed and saved many lives. And we know that there are good years ahead throughout the Covenant Church uh, as a denomination, our churches around the country, our mission fields around the world. We continue to see you at work. We give thanksgiving and praise for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.